That is the sound of the Bialetti stovetop telling me the coffee is ready, so it's time for another podcast. Our letter today is from Jed from Ukiah. Jed writes, Dear Ezekiel, I'm a huge fan of the Octopus Wars and enjoyed learning about Dr. DeVartolo and Catface Laguna, but during my trip to Mendoza, I recall another tale about Catface Laguna, one that was more about his mysterious origins. Would you happen to have any information about that tale? Thank you very much for your letter, Jed. And yes, according to scholars from the region of Cujo, there is in fact such a tale, which, as you mentioned, does go into some detail about the origins of Catface Laguna. In this tale, one also learns something about the immigrants in Mendoza. The province of vineyards, mountains, and condors rested underneath a vernal sun, which gave its immigrants no choice but to accept their new reality, that they walked slept and ate in the southern cone of a new and distant continent, far away from Europe, far away from the world. How could it be that we are actually closer to Antarctica than to Italy, the Mendocinos pondered as they shook their heads? Regarding Catface Laguna, I found an old letter from a Doña Emilia. She states, Most of the immigrants in Mendoza were families from Naples, Calabria, or Sicily, but old Catface was Venetian and arrived in Argentina suspiciously alone. He would tell his patrons that he refused a good job at the vineyards so that he could become a waiter at El Pinguino, where he could touch an octopus and remember the salt water of my homeland. He made all kinds of stories up, including the saying that the best lie is true even to its creator. But in this tale... Uh, I actually learned from other scholars in Cujo that it's the first tale that introduces uh, in our podcast the young Bohemians. In the 1940s, the Cafe Astoria in Mendoza was frequented by all of Mendoza's residents, young and old, but the young Bohemians, as they were called, made hanging out at the cafe in art form. By the purchase of one cup of coffee in the morning, the troublemakers of Crazy Cole, Pachito, Eledro, and Fat Grono would kill hours into the evening, pretending to be experts on everything, as all good Argentine charlatans. Regarding this particular story about Catface Laguna, I recall that it went something like this. What I'm going to tell you is true, but you punks won't believe it, said Catface while sitting on a crate of onions. After serving octopus and milanesas all day, the old waiter with the face of a cat and the stomach of a pig was not eager to tell the young bohemians the story they desired to hear most. But they pressed on and offered him a bottle of his favorite, Averna, which he always needed at this time of night, to kill the nightmares brought on by the veal, he would say. Most of the immigrants in Mendoza were families from Naples, Calabria, or Sicily, but old Catface was Venetian and arrived in Argentina, suspiciously alone. Again and again, he would tell his patrons that he refused a good job at the vineyards so that he could become a waiter at El Pinguino, where he could touch an octopus and remember the salt water of my homeland. He made up all sorts of stories to earn tips, and was even credited with saying, the best lie is true even to its creator. So the Bohemians never fell for his tales. All they knew was that those squinty eyes and skilled tongue had witnessed something very special in Venice, 
and they were going to get it out of him, <clears throat> even if only half of what he said was ever true. Crazy Cole poured him a glass of the dark liquor, and Catface looked on, slowly taking it in with his left hand and closing his eyes. Maybe one day you young men will see her, Venezia, with her serpentine canals and storybook bridges, he said, pronouncing all S's as shh. He gulped down half of the drink and rested the glass on his perfectly round stomach. <clears throat> but beneath all of the beauty lurks a real horror, he said, a horror that is beyond human understanding. When learning about this horror in such a beautiful place, you may ask, why? And how can this be? But not all things can be explained. And that's the way it should be. Beauty with horror. For beauty is the only place where horror can hide. I am not speaking about the rats that swim in the night waters, nor about the masked corpse resting in the cool chambers of Zan Zachariah. The Bohemian stepped back from Catface, whose countenance took on a sudden change of expression after saying the words, beauty and horror. His eyes now gleam like black marbles. Is it the moon, the Averna, or the memory to be told that has awakened the heart of old Catface, thought Crazy Cole, Pachito, Eledro, and nervous fat Grono, who had not eaten nothing all day and was now not allowed to touch any of the food in the kitchen. The young Bohemians sat there and listened. Catface continued, Unseen by all and heard by none, he said, spreading his hands out into the air. Every night the Translucer would walk aimlessly through the canals of Venice, looking for something to quench the loneliness of the deep. With wide peering eyeballs and naked clammy limbs, the zombie beast would traverse the murky moonlit waters of Venice, his white fingers grazing the cold buildings that were his walls, and his large feet stepping on a bed of fungus here and there, all parts of him longing for the heat of the living. Yet, if you were in a gondola and the translucer were one meter to the side and one below you, you would never see or hear a thing, only the rustling of the cool black waters. If you were lucky, he would probably walk on dead but moving forward nonetheless. How could he breathe underwater, asked Cole, who always had a scientific mindset. Fat Grono, standing with a blank stare, began to experience the forerunner of downright terror. Every once in a while, his white arms would thrust through the water's surface and bring down human blood, which he hugged and murdered slowly by drowning. The extinguished life force would temporarily warm the waters at least long enough to keep them moving for just one more night. A nun by the name of Sister Paranax was the first to see the white arms extend into the night looking for gondolas, looking for the life force. She thought it was the devil. Do you men want to know who found a way to capture the old water beast? asked the Venetian. Let me guess, asked Pachito. Sister Paranax? No, my young smart one. It was I, Catface Laguna, who found a way. After hours of deep thought, I came up with a plan. I said to all the gondoliers, Let us all on the night of the full moon take our boats out and fill the canals 
so that not one of the square meters of water can be seen. Then, when the church bells marked twelve o'clock, let us all at once thrust our oars deep into the water. Whoever hits something fleshy and moving, yell, Translucer! Translucer! like you never yelled before. But be careful that he doesn't find you first. And so it happened on a motionless night. No one would have suspected that anything was lurking out there, but we, being men of the water, we knew very well that something was out there. The way that a fisherman knows that a great school of fish moved nearby. The way that the astronomer knows when comets will arrive. Sister Paranax blessed the boats, and our flotilla headed out, covering all the veins of the Grand Canal. There were so many boats out that out there that the water could not be seen. The night was still, but we were all set for action, from San Marco all the way to San Michele. Then the bells went dong, dong, and all of Italy could hear our oars thrusting into the quiet waters of Venice. Splashing went on and on, until off in the distance, the echo of the infamous name could be heard. Translucer, Translucer, a Genoese boy by the name of Pusuelo found the monster under a bridge. By foot and boat, we all rushed to the site, which was a dark canaletto off the Rialto. Four gondoliers kept thrusting their oars in and out of the water, poking at the unseen beast. Mindless Translucer, bruised and scarred, kept moving on, heading for the Grand Canal, where he could easily escape into the ocean. No one jump in the water, I said to everyone. One of us threw a rope in the water, but failed to wrap it around the beast. Why hadn't we set up a trap? I remember asking myself. For one hour, we all followed the translucer toward the Grand Canal, where the waters were rough. A few boats capsized, not gondolas, of course. We lost some men that night. Many, many died cold underneath the moonlight. Catface becrossed himself and dropped his head, which was covered by just three thick hairs. He continued, But then we all pushed on even more, searching for the monster that had already killed scores of Venetians. Only with the strength of three boats and twenty men was the translucer finally roped and dragged back into the canalettos. With wooden boards, we closed, off, we closed off a narrow portion of the canal, and there we began pulling his large body out of the water. It was unfortunate that, from behind green shutters, innocent women had to witness the dreadful event that was about to occur. As we began pulling him up, he started falling apart. Like cookie dough, the top half of his torso separated from the bottom. That's what years of water will do to you, my boys. In the end, all we had was just the head, arms, chest, and lungs of the beast. We laid him on his back, and he looked at us with a blank stare that reflected the moon. I'll never forget the void in his eyes. He died breathing like a tuna fish. Don't throw it back in, I warned all the men, who nodded in approval. Let me tell you, you youth... It wasn't like the movies you see in La Bolsa. It was real, it was sad, and it was frightening. Till this day, I wish that I had never looked into those mindless eyes. At that moment, Catface stopped telling his story and revealed an orb-like structure hidden in his vest. It's the eyeball of the translucer, yelled Aledro, who dropped his notepad and covered his face. 
Grano jumped back and bumped his head on a bag of flour, which now covered all of the Bohemians. Catface, with a smirk, kept gulping down the bottle of Averna. Young Bohemian stood in silence after hearing about the infamous translucer, who, as Catface reminded them, would kill indiscriminately without reflection because he needed to. That he needed to was the part that scared everybody. From the alley adjacent to the back door of El Pinguino, the black cobblestones of Avenida Santa Fe could be seen challenging the darkness of the summer night. Off in the distance, keeping better time than a metronome, could be heard the steps of a young woman approaching the restaurant. Are you ready to go home, glorious Caesar? asked a young lady, playfully sticking her head through the doorway. Her wine-colored hair hung from the left side of her tilted head, exposing a pearl earring. She was the most gorgeous woman the Bohemians had ever seen. Catfish replied, In nine to eleven, maybe ten minutes, my preciousness, whispered Catface before blowing a kiss through the cloud of flour, which actually caused for Eledro's head to become even whiter. It was obvious that she was the type of woman who did not even dare to enter such a place. After all, there was flour, dirt, crates of food, garbage, four teenagers, and who knows what else at the back of El Pinguino. Well, don't keep me waiting too long, my angel, she said to the waiter tapping his nose. Everyone watched in amazement as she walked away. How did you get a woman like that? Pacino asked Catface Laguna. Catface stood up, drank the remainder of his Averna, put the empty bottle on the crate, and said, You have to be the best liar in the country to get a woman like that. As he turned to walk away, an onion dropped from his vest pocket. Sanatero, liar! shouted Puchito, who at that instant began throwing onions at the fleeing Catface. The rest of the Bohemians immediately joined the cause, unloading over 60 vegetables at the pudgy target who had told them such a tall tale. Strangely enough, it appeared that tipsy old Catface enjoyed, enjoyed dodging the onions, zigzagging from left to right in the middle of Santa Fe, laughing like a hyena. Thanks for the drink, suckers, he shouted before disappearing into an alley. The Bohemians walked home that night with flour on their faces. We don't deserve to call ourselves Bohemians, bumbled a humiliated Pachito. Well, said Cole, at least we know what I always suspected. As Riverola says, the laws of physics offer a complete account of the world's phenomena. Right, added Grono. Catface Laguna, Part 2 the next morning, the residents of Mendoza attended what was supposed to be a formal meeting between the Great Pickers Union, known as the GU, the GU, and some diplomat from Buenos Aires named Balbini. Members of the Vineyards Union, pronounced as the GU, were fed up with the country's capital, hogging up all the tax money, and they were going to let this Balbini have it. But things did not turn out that way at all. Balbini managed to turn the formal meeting into a pleasant picnic of sorts. As always, the, some of the senoras brought food, which were displayed with pride, and all the attendees ate and drank like kings. 
after six dishes and 30 bottles of Malbec, the goo seemed to have lost their hunger for war. Balbini took the podium. Before I begin, he said, I would like to thank Doña Aurelia for the corn empanadas and Doña Fina for the ham and cheese ones. They were all delicious. Let's all give them a round of applause. The provincianos all clapped. Rono clapped with a corn empanada in his mouth. I would also like to thank everyone here for letting me visit the beautiful province of Mendoza, which has always looked to the future while maintaining a sense of tradition, and would like to thank Doña Julia for the cannelloni and Ro Senor Roberto for the parijada, the barbecue. The wine was generously donated by Trucha Vineyards. Let's all give them a round of applause. Provincianos, looking at each other, had to clap again. I would like to thank Doña Amelia for the chicken and Doña Puprina for... When are we going to talk about business? interrupted Guido Baruga, the leader of the workers. Buenos Aires is taking all our money and we don't see any results. The streets have potholes and sometimes the electricity cuts off when I'm listening to football on the radio. That's right, cheered all the workers. We should talk about these problems. Let's stop talking about empanadas. Balbini, Balbini slammed his fat hand on the podium and declared, I agree with you all 100%. We should all reflect on the things that demand reflection, not just empanadas, though they taste good. But things are the way they are because they have to be that way, and the future will be what it will be. Of course, there are situations, and we have to really think about them and rethink them over and over till the situation is what was meant to be. At the Capitol, we are in the thick of things, looking at the wide issues that are thick and fat, and sometimes they stretch and get wider, and then they stretch in different dimensions. As all things, of course, it's all about the energy and the life force. The Provincianos, who did not have a clue about what the man was saying, looked at each other with puppy eyes, but old Catface was watching Balbini very carefully. That pothole in your street, continued the politician, is there because it is part of our country. It is part of our family. Your blood is in that pothole. You should go up to the pothole and touch it and feel the gravel on your fingertips. Graze it with your hands, for this is who you are. This is your Argentina. Go on now, Senor Baruga, touch it for all of us. Guido Baruga walked to the nearest pothole, a huge one of three feet in diameter. He knelt down and, with his bare hands, started rubbing the gravel. May I ask you, Senor Baruga, continued Balbini, what team do you root for during those games on the radio you mentioned? Baruga, with his hands in the dirt, looked up at the politician. Independiente. And no one make a comment or face at that, replied Guido, eyeing everybody. Guido had heard that at least some of the workers were fans of racing club. Well, 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 just as I thought, we are brothers after all, for I too am a red devil. And let me tell you, I think that that match against Boca Juniors last Sunday was rigged. How could Independiente lose like that and be belittled by a bunch of crooks? Brother of mine, I promise you that when I go back to Buenos Aires, the very first thing I will do is speak to Senor Arturo Armandolo, 
president of the Argentine Football Association. And I will ask him to reconsider whether our fine nation should allow treacherous referees to walk the sacred grounds of our football fields. Senor Guido Baruga, the leader of the GU, dropped the gravel, walked up to the podium, and hugged Balbini. Balbini looked at everyone and shouted, Wine and justice for everyone! Then, swinging his arms back and forth, he began singing the national anthem. Everyone jumped up and joined in, except old Catface Laguna, who was crying alone at a picnic table. What's the matter, Catface? Were you expecting a tarantella? asked Puchito. No, Puchito. It's just that I never experienced the fear of losing my wife. (laughs) 